morning. My name is Jason. We're excited to, to continue in our series, Real Relationships. Um, and today, as, as Josh mentioned, we're going to be talking about marriage. And so we have a few guests up here in a minute. I'm going to let you, the, the, them introduce themselves. Uh, but we're continuing on and ending this series on relationships and understanding, right, um, just even as that song just mentioned, that uh, broken pieces together, that relationships are, are difficult. Um, and relationships are hard, and um, not only friendships and going into dating, but also marriage. And so we've asked, and you guys have responded well, with getting some questions um, that we could maybe answer together uh, as a panel, uh, answer together as a congregation. And so, uh, as I said, my name is Jason. My wife, Mandy, and I, we've been married for 12 years. Uh, we have two kids, uh, Weston, who is 10, and Sadie, who is 7. Uh, and then I'm going to have uh, Sam go ahead and introduce herself. six years. We have um, our two-year-old daughter, who is Autumn, and we're actually expecting our second in September. Where do you serve at? Yeah. I serve in the kids' zone with my amazing fourth graders. Hi, I'm Chad Thomas. Uh, my wife, Shane, and I have been married for a little over two and a half years, and we have two children, Tori and Tripp. And uh, I'm an elder here at the church and also serve in a few different ways in the tech team. Occasionally you might see me up here. I apologize for that. And uh, I help with facilities from time to time as well. So, uh, My name is Erica Brando. Uh, I, my husband Jake and I have been married uh, for a little over four years. We don't have any kids. And I serve with the high school and middle schoolers. Uh, it's a lot of fun. My name is Fred Cubberly, and uh, my wife, Debbie, and I, have, as of next week, will be married 51 years. Thank you. Um, and we have two uh, adult daughters, and we have uh, some very, very wonderful grandchildren, five grandchildren. Uh, as far as serving... Um, I've been fortunate enough to lead uh, financial campaigns for building uh, four times and uh, also uh, uh, served as financial director. But right now I'm teaching Sunday school, adult Sunday school class, and I've taught those for just over 30 years. Awesome. Um, so as I said, we've gotten quite a few uh, questions come in, and we really wanted to... Um, place this morning based from a, a biblical standpoint, um, right? We looked at over these last few weeks of how scripture, scripture speaks to these ideas and speaks to relationships. One thing we know when we look at scripture and we look at the relationships in scripture, there's a lot of dysfunction <laughs> in that, um, in that we understand from a day-to-day -day basis that it, that it is difficult, it is hard. There is going to be the ups and downs, there's going to be conflict, there's gonna be the things that we rejoice in, there's gonna be testing. And so some of those questions have come in, and so we really want to approach them from a biblical standpoint to understand that when these things happen, uh, that we have this foundation, we have scripture that we can go to uh, to wrestle with. And uh, when we end today, too, I'm going to uh, have our panel share with us just a, a verse that kind of speaks to their dynamic of their relationship and one that maybe they hold on to. And so I want you to maybe even begin thinking about that as you hear some of these scriptures that come out. Maybe there's one that you could pull and you could grab onto uh, for the, the context of where you're at in your relationship, in your marriage uh, this morning. And so we're going to jump in. Uh, the first one is that what practices brings the most connection uh, to your marriage? And Fred, I'm going to have you start that one. Uh, 51 years, as we applauded that earlier, like what, what has helped get you there? Well, 
It changes over time. Uh, as you can well imagine, there's phases. But uh, in the early years, the primary answer would be intimacy. Uh, scriptures, 1 Corinthians 7, verses 5 and 6 tell us, do not deprive each other so that Satan will not tempt you because you lack for, for your lack of self-control. And Ephesians 5.21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Over time, we've stayed close, uh, very much involved with our daughters here at church and in other many, many activities. We encouraged them to try many things to see what they really liked. And also during that time, we would carve out times for ourselves. Um, early on, as another phase, as we had those children, Debbie and I got involved in Sunday school classes for young parents here at church. And uh, they really helped us to understand how to encourage and raise Christian fa a Christian family of wonderful kids. Second Timothy 2.12 and Ephesians 6, 1 through 4 tell us that we are to build up strong Christian families. In addition to that, Debbie and I, you know, at some point in time, the kids become adults and they leave home. And for many people, that can be a troubling time. What are we going to do with each other and all this time we have? Well, Debbie and I spent, had already spent time together and had things we liked to do. So we continued to do those. But I will tell you, there are some things that I do with Debbie that I don't like. And there are a lot of things that Debbie does with me that she doesn't like. And there are a lot of things that we do together that we both like. But here's the key. Over time, you, become, you begin to appreciate both sides and those things, and you grow and you learn from them. And I think that's really good. And I want to close this with a very important thing that I want everybody here, especially the younger folks, to hear. 51 years of marriage, most of the years were good. Some of the years were great. Some of the years were bad. And if you don't get through the bad ones, you don't get the great ones. So you got to hang tough. No, I, I love what that, where you went with that, especially, and you said this in first service, and uh, you forgot this word this time, but you said that sometimes you have to force yourself uh, to, to do things with Debbie that normally you wouldn't normally want to do. And the reality is that there's truth to that, that over time there's some things that we may have to belligerently do to in order to get that connection in that relationship uh, to build that stronger and you will enjoy it over time um, one thing for me it was musicals my wife uh, she loves musicals um, I didn't know much about it I knew she liked it and I wanted to pursue her so I became the <laughs> order to like it to build that connection in that relationship uh, Sam you got some to speak to this Keeping your intimacy at the, at the front is extremely important. Um, you can't lose sight of that. And also, just outside of being actively involved together in the church, um, we really like to do the Bible studies through the YouVersion app together quite frequently. Um, sometimes we do them together. We always come together and talk about our questions, our thoughts. Sometimes we do them separately and then take a day or two to think about it and come together as well. But we always sit down and just have that conversation on where we're at because sometimes we're at different points um, from what one person's taking away versus the other. And we think that's really important. And then also, like Fred said, just 
knowing your spouse's needs versus yours as well. Uh, you're going to have interests and you're going to have things that are not aligning in interest, but give it a try. I know for me, my husband loves NASCAR. I hate NASCAR. Um, <laughs> I don't get it, but uh, I, I will watch the races for him sometimes, but other times I just have him do his own thing. But I have tried, so we, we do things like that. But mainly um, in the evening, a big thing for us that we bond together is just getting our daughter ready for bed. That can be an adventure in itself. And uh, once she is down, we spend a lot of time just being with each other. We're not big TV people. Um, we don't, we, so we try to eliminate that distraction and we just, we're big board game people. So like battle and scrabble ships, pretty cutthroat in our house in the evenings. Um, and it's just really fun and keeps us focused on each other and away from the distractions. And we work on projects together, things that are important to the both of us. And we do also give each other time to kind of maybe go do something that the other one wants to do in their own time and respect that. But we always just come back to communicating with each other. No, I think that's huge. I'm glad you brought that up. That sometimes, right, to build that connection is that we have to be apart. Uh, to allow, we are individuals and we do have other interests and things to where uh, we can still uh, get that uh, encouragement and the things we need through those other avenues. That's good. Uh, another question that came in um, really talks to kind of our introverts or extroverts. And as, as an introvert myself of when you, when you come home and you're tapped from work and then uh, you have your spouse and your kids, like how do you manage that, that time? Because that can be a frustrating thing. And so, um, Erica, I'm going to have you speak on this one. Yeah, so I'm a major introvert and I'm married to a major extrovert. Uh, so that can sometimes create some tension in our relationship. But we really base our approach on this off of um, 1 Peter 3, 7, uh, which is... Uh, Husbands live with your wives in an understanding manner, and we really apply this in both directions in that uh, if I come home and I'm just totally worn out, um, I might need a couple hours to myself, um, or sometimes we can find ways to spend time together, but in like a, just the two of us at home or in nature way to help me uh, get a little bit of energy back. But I also am mindful of when my husband kind of gets a little twitchy and needs to go see some, some people other than like me or not be home. And we, we, uh, well, I'll then go out. Maybe I don't feel like going out, but like, I know this is a necessary thing for the both of us and that it helps him. And so just really trying to live out the golden rule, uh, from Luke six thirty one. you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. We, we just try to minister to each other's needs. And as long as we're both being aware, usually neither one of us is ever, totally um just totally worn out to the point that we can't function because we're each trying to be aware of each other yeah i know for for mandy and i we've uh, the big thing that helped us is just like being open and talking about it the having the conversation being aware that um that i need this or she needs it when she was a stay-at-home mom and she was with the kids all day and then i'd come home from work and i'd been taxed and I've used all my words up for the day. Like uh, at times we didn't handle that well. And so we began to really set out a plan and understand that at different seasons and different times, we just have to look to the interest of one another uh, a little differently to help navigate that. Um, we, we talked last week uh, through the dating series that, <clears throat> or message that dating really, if we look at it, uh, begins to lead towards this idea of, of marriage. And that's the purpose of dating um, and we, we see scripture talk about this idea of being unevenly yoked. And so a question has, has come in is how do you handle um, just even 
the commitment level of faith or lack of faith um, when it comes to a spouse. And Fred, I know um, personally, just through our conversations and in, in, in preparation for this, um, there was a time that you didn't attend church. And so can, I want you to go ahead and speak on that to us. Uh, for the first several years of uh, our marriage, Debbie attended church and I did not. Then we had our two daughters and Debbie and our daughters attended church and I did not. About the time our daughters, Dana and Diane, were like five and six years old, they started to ask me, Dad, why don't you attend church? Well, first of all, when they were attending and I wasn't, I did not disrespect them for that. I did not try to pull away or stop them because I thought that it would be good, especially for the kids, for moral you know, shaping of them, making better people of them. So finally, as I said, when they were five or six, they, they asked me why I didn't attend. And so I said to myself, you need to attend so that they will, because they're going to need this. And so I did. I attended for them. And after a short period of time, I realized that I really needed to attend for me. And uh, that was a real light that went on. Um, during this time, I will tell you that Debbie did not push me. And I appreciated that very much. She did not Bible thump. She led by a wonderful Christian lady example, love for family, love for kids, love for God, that I picked up on. It took me a while. I'm a slow learner in that area, but I did catch on. And 1 Peter 3, 1 through 6 tells us, Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. And I thank you, Debbie, for that. Uh, Chad, I know with uh, your, your blended family, you're new into it. And as you mentioned, too, and led to, um, you have another perspective that you can add to it, even though it's not personally, maybe from yourself. So, yeah. Definitely. First, I just want to say thank you, Fred, for, for sharing that. That's a beautiful testimony uh, of your marriage and, and what that looks like. For myself, uh, the situation uh, was different. So uh, as I mentioned, Shane and I have been married uh, for a little over two and a half years. So uh, that put me into my 40s before I was married. Before that, I was not. Um, so the situation is a little different, although I can say at least personally for myself, I was in a relationship where we talked about marriage back in my 20s, um, and we were not on the same page. And thankfully, the, the Holy Spirit had put on my heart that I did not want to move forward with that and have to, to to go through some struggles that I'd, I'd seen other people in the church go through. Um, and so we had broken that off. However, for, for Shana, um, that was a situation, as we talk about being unequally yoked. Uh, her first husband, who unfortunately um, passed away, uh, he was not a believer, whereas she was. And so that was a, a struggle and a burden on her heart. Uh, but in terms of how they, they operated, at least with children, uh, similar to what Fred had shared, uh, Randy uh, was his name. He did not. Um, he did not try and stand in the way. He he told Shana to to lead in that regard in terms of the, the children. So Tori and Trip, the two kids I mentioned before, are from that first marriage. But uh, they're as much my children as anybody's now. So, um, but uh, that situation, um, you know, he was he was willing just to you know take the kids to church and engage. Uh, and unfortunately, you know the. Uh, the way the timing was, he passed away before the, the possibility of him maybe uh, coming to the same realization, uh, realization that Fred did. Uh, but I know that's a, a 
burden that, that my wife carries, um, and I see that, and I just want to add, as we talk about these situations, and uh, as Mike and Eric had mentioned before, and as we've talked through this, if you find yourself in a situation that we keep referring to as being unequally yoked, uh, I know there's a burden on the hearts um, of some folks where uh, you may be in a situation because of that, and however um, your life circumstances have evolved where you've gotten to that point, and now one of you is a believer and one is not, or there's a vast difference in the level of belief, um, I just want to encourage you that you are not alone. Um, the, the greatest thing you can do is pray, pray for your spouse, and then seek to be a reflection of Jesus. Uh, that is who we're called to be in every situation. So God changes hearts. Uh, you cannot, but you can live a life that is pleasing in God's sight and be an encouragement to, um, to your spouse. But I would also encourage those of you who um, have friends that are, uh, that are in a situation of that sort, that are in a marriage where the difference in belief exists. And I would say make sure that you're rallying around and encouraging um, those folks. Uh, the one that is, is struggling with that, that just show them love and encouragement. Let them know that you're praying for them and encouraging them as well. And just be a support as we seek to be a community, um, a family uh, that exists around, uh, around Jesus. Uh, yeah, I love, I, I just heard it this week even, and just in a different context, but just the reminder that, that we can't change people but that God truly is the one that will eventually come in, uh, as Fred alluded to. It, it took him a few months, but after being here and being surrounded by people, having that community, allowing God's word to impact his life, he realized, oh, there's a change that needed to happen. And so the biggest thing that we can do is be a support and to be a witness, that our testimony, our word of what God has done in our lives is the biggest example that we can give anyone, um, whether we know scripture or not. Um, that we have that relationship with him and we can share that with him, uh, which is huge. And so don't, don't forsake that, uh, own that. Um, uh, a question that's come in and says, uh, do you feel your marriage has been tested spiritually? Uh, so uh, Sam, I'm going to have you. Go ahead. I, <clears throat> I know for my husband and I, that happened um, when we found ourselves in the heart of fertility treatments a couple years ago for our daughter, um, two years of disappointments and failed attempts can put a lot of strain on a marriage and your faith and question in God spiritually. You find yourself in the constant state of, why is this happening to me? What's wrong with me? Do you see me? And of course he does. And the lies start to fill your head. And I have seen it personally break marriages. And we decided that wasn't going to happen with us. So we had two choices could let it win or we could overcome it. And we really just leaned into our faith during that time and found this amazing community here. We had been in this church for a while, but we found people who just rallied around us and, you know, really pray for you. That's a humbling experience to have people really pray for you. And um, we kind of leaned into Deuteronomy 8.2, where it says, you shall remember all the ways which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness and that he might humble you, test you to know what was in your heart, whether and when you weathered it, and if you'd keep his commandments or not. So when we truly let go of something we had absolute no control over and just leaned into each other and leaned into God, we started to experience a growth in our marriage and our, spirit, and our spiritual growth that we didn't know was physically possible. And I am grateful for that, that light and that darkness and we were able to thankfully experience God's gracious love firsthand, and we have our daughter, and we have another one on the way. So, no, that's huge. Uh, I want to just thank you 
for being able to share that story and your vulnerability in that. Uh, but I love what you said when it's this, you had a choice to make. You could allow it to kind of uh, wreck your marriage or to fight through it, battle out that commitment. And you chose, of course, the latter. But then also, too, the, to understand uh, the power of prayer. Um, Mandy and I have quite a few years ago, we had a stillbirth. Uh, we lost our daughter Elizabeth at 21 weeks. And that time in our lives, I said, um, was like the first time that I've ever really felt uh, the power of prayer from other people, like uh, in my life. Um, it's just something I'd, I'd heard about before, but it really to experience it. Um, and then a communal aspect. And so um, we have a small group of friends that we've been friends with for about 12 years now uh, that uh, we've started in a small group together at another church and have kind of still stayed consistent uh, through that and their extension of our family and, and the support from this place as well uh, during that time for us w- was huge. And so really the, the, the encouragement or the challenge for, for you if you're experiencing that um, spiritual testing um, is make sure that one, you find some root in scripture uh, Lean heavily in on prayer and find that community uh, that's going to be around you, that's going to help encourage you. Because uh, through that time, there's going to be the ups and downs and, uh, with that. And so uh, thank you again for sharing that. Um, and in every relationship, right, uh, there's this word that we, we hear, we think sometimes is always a negative thing, but conflict uh, comes to mind when we think about relationship dynamic, when we think about marriage. Uh, and so we want to kind of hear maybe what's the best conflict resolution tool that you guys have in place. And so uh, Eric, or, uh, Erica, I'll go ahead and start with you. So. Okay, so uh, my husband and I are two of the most stubborn people I know. Um, and we knew that going into our marriage and that we you know when we think we're right, we both think we're really right. Um, so we definitely have had our conflicts. Um, but we really, um, again, we try to approach conflict as uh, we want to be, as a married couple, we want to be a team. And so a conflict is an obstacle that we need to find a way to be on the same side of and overcome together to just stay together as a team. And so that's always kind of at the heart of what, how we deal with conflict once we are able to step away from maybe the initial anger or hurt feelings or something like that. You, you have to kind of decide to step back from that a little bit and look at your bigger goal. Um, so one way that we typically approach this is um, kind of based off of Proverbs 25. Uh, the purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but the one who has insight draws them out. And so we really try to seek to um, respectfully ask questions and seek what's really going on under the heart of the conflict. Sometimes it's the way something's being handled uh, really, really bothers someone or hurts someone. Or sometimes it's that we're both communicating and we're actually both communicating the same thing, but the way we're saying it is not coming across. And so we've had multiple arguments where at the end of the day, when we finally dug through, like, what are you trying to say? What do you really feel about this? And it turns out we were on the same page and we just didn't even know it. And so just having that goal of overcoming and coming back together at the end of a conflict is something that you really have to hold on to and sometimes one of us has to start that process uh, because we're both maybe caught up in emotions but uh, knowing that you know that's God's plan for us can really bring us back to that that's good Uh, Chad what do you got so for my wife and I um, one of the big things we focus on is don't go to bed angry or resentful 
Um, we look at uh, James 1, 19 and 20 that tells us everyone should be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to become angry uh, because man's anger does not bring about the righteousness of God. So leaning into that and then looking at what the Apostle Paul said to uh, the Ephesians uh, in Ephesians 4, uh, he was talking to a community of believers but says, don't let uh, the sun go down uh, on your anger. So with that in mind, uh, while we have had, again, you know, it's, it's only been two and a half years, but uh, uh, anybody that's been married knows, I mean, you can experience a lot of things in a short amount of time, and then it just multiplies as you, you know, God bless uh, the Coverleys in 51 years, but um, in moments where we've had that, uh, we realize, okay, if somebody needs to step up and address, we don't want to go to bed with these hurt feelings, because in, in any of these situations, in a conflict where there's hurt, you may not be angry, but you may be hurt, you may be resentful, uh, and that could be true of both of you or just one of you. Uh, the struggle is first, number one, needs to, uh, number one uh, somebody needs to decide uh, to be humble enough uh, and contrite enough to initiate that conversation. Uh, as Erica mentioned about uh, she and Jake being uh, stubborn people, uh, Shane and I are both very stubborn people as well. I know that may be a surprise to people that even know me <laughs> that I'm stubborn. Um, but uh, one of the things that, that we really try and lean into is, yeah, we don't want to go to bed with that. The hurt may not go away just because you had that conversation. So... Uh, it still may exist uh, as we go to bed, but um, we, we do allow some time and we have to, um, to process through it. And uh, I, for myself, and, and I, I believe the same is true for Shana, but we think about what are the things that we, we love about and cherish about each other. So in that moment, then how can I not swallow, you know, we're sinful people. Uh, I mean, that's just the truth of it. We're all sinful and in need of Jesus. And in those moments of sin and the struggle where it's um, my anger, my pride, uh, my arrogance or selfishness that's holding me back, can I swallow that enough to be the first one to initiate that conversation? And knowing as we look back that that, that has always helped us move forward. Um, and I can, I can say that that's been true for both of us. Uh, we've each had moments where we were the one to, to step up and engage. Uh, but thankfully, that is something that we lean into because we do not want to, to carry that over. Uh, because giving into that, that sin and letting it carry over, and you, you leave a chance for it to, to kind of poison the waters a little bit. Um, so I would just encourage you to, to do that, to, to make sure that you address it. It takes some communication, as we've said, in a variety of ways, and just be willing to talk through it um, and know, despite whatever sinful, um, you know, motivations are going on for me, that um, my love should be for, for my wife, so for our spouse or anybody, above myself. So I need to engage in that and, and address what's going on there. Uh I love the idea of just even having that, that positive thought of, like, why, uh, why do I love this person in the first place? Or what brought us together in the first place? That when we have that positive thinking, right, it's going to soften. Or even think back, if we look back of when times have been good, understand this is a, a rough spot, as, as Fred's alluded to, right? There's been many good years, great years, but there's also some hard years. So to have that regulation um, when it comes to conflict, when it comes to spiritual testing, what God has done in the past, that he's faithful, we'll do it again in the future, and who this person is and where we were before, like we can still get there again, uh, I think is, is important. Um, Chad, I'll have you go again of uh, just how do you balance uh, your commitment to, to church uh, and to your spouse? So as I had mentioned earlier, uh, I did not get married until I was into my 40s. Um, so this question is a little more interesting to me because while we do have to find the balance for myself, being single for 40 plus years uh, and being raised in the church and having parents that lived out what it looks like to, to serve, uh, to be actively engaged in, in the church, 
Uh, that is something that was meaningful to me, and uh, that was something that I, I leaned into quite a bit. Um, I have been told that I have issues at saying no to people, um, and especially when I was, while there was still time to balance between having siblings and parents that might need help from time to time, that's a different level of priority and balance than it is between, okay, now I have a, a wife and children that I need to, to balance for. And, um, we look at the, first and foremost, we have to determine what are our priorities in life. Uh, for myself, I look at what Jesus said in um, Matthew 22 and in Mark 12 when he was asked about uh, what is the greatest commandment. And he said, well, you know, basically there are two. Love God with, with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love others as yourself. So leaning into that first and foremost of what that looks like and knowing that um, those priorities. We love God, we love family, and we love our church. That should be the way our priorities work. And within the family, um, Jesus himself said that we become one flesh. Our spouse is greater than our children. And I know sometimes that's a struggle where people in marriages are putting their children above their spouse. And I would encourage you, I believe the Bible is very clear, that your spouse comes before your children because if you're not loving each other well, you're not setting an example and doing right by your children. Um, so as we got married, Shana will tell you that one of the things that attracted her, because we met here at MCC, uh, one of the things that attracted uh, her to me, I should say, uh, was that she saw that I was pretty involved at church. Um, after we were married, she said one of the struggles she had was because I was so involved at church. <laughs> because we had to work together and communicate, and it was a change for, for me uh, and a change for her to try and find that balance and to make an adjustment, and that's been something that we've worked through uh, over these last few years and just adjusting as we go, but knowing that, number one, while we're called to, to actively be a part of God's kingdom uh, and we want to serve in that way and make sure our children see that, uh, first and foremost, we need to know that we're uh, loving and serving our family well so that then we can also love and serve in and through our, uh, our church well. And so that's what we've tried to, to leverage. And uh, again, it, it, it takes time and balance, but uh, that, is, that is how we approach it. And Sam, I know your, your response to this is similar in essence, but you have some other things you can add to it. Uh, will you share with us? Yeah, so just like Chad said, we at home focus on the order of God, spouse, children, and then church or whatever you want to put after that. Um, so that's something that we make sure stays in balance. And we're both actively involved, um, you know, also with full-time jobs as well and raising a daughter. So it can be hard to balance that time, but we always make sure to sit down and discuss what's coming up on the schedule. This is what I'm going to be doing. This is where he's going to be. This is where I'm going to be. So one might be pulled away for a while more than the other, um, depending on what we're doing, especially during vacation Bible school. I am non-existent for an entire week for my house at all. I'm gone in the morning for work, and I don't get home until like 8.30 or 9 o'clock at night. But we talk about it ahead of time, and my spouse knows. You know, he knows where I'm going to be. Um, my daughter doesn't really get it, but as she gets older, we'll continue to explain. That's why I'm not going to be here. We're setting that example so that... Um, she can realize that that is the priority in our life and that she can try to model that. And then just um, saying no for me was always hard. So I, would, I had a habit of overloading myself with things that I probably shouldn't have been committing to. But my husband was good about teaching me that no is not bad and that it's okay to talk it through and balance out. And if you have to say no to something, that that's okay. Yeah. So understanding our priorities and then also heavy communication 
on, on these things of this commitment. Because as, we, as we've talked about even just a, a month ago, right, when we looked through uh, our series on streaks, like serving in the church is, is a huge part, is a huge growth thing for us. Uh, but also understanding, first and foremost, as Mike said last week, our relationship with God is number one, and then that begins to filter out into everything else that we do. Um, and so um, last question here before we get ready to wrap up. Um, Mike has different interpretations of what this question is supposed to, answer is supposed to be for this question. But um, how do you keep your romance alive in your marriage? Thank you, yes. So if Mike Tuttle was up here, his number one answer would be sex. That's it. Okay. All right. Well, again, there's phases as you go through life. But in the early years, for Debbie and I, getaways, you know, dress up, have romantic dinners, go to the movies, go to shows. Um, Middle years, realizing because of children and activities, when your spouse is just exhausted, they've had it, then uh, jump in and do something for them. That becomes extremely important and much appreciated. And then something my mother told me, and that is always tell your spouse thank you. So I've tried to practice that. Uh, When Debbie and I first got married, for instance, she would cook a meal for us, and I would thank her for it and tell her how good it was, even though it wasn't. (laughs) But now she makes great meals, and I'm thankful for that, and it's obvious if you just look at the physique sitting up here. (laughs) Anyway, all through life, I think it's important to touch, hug, And also a skill that us men typically don't do very well at, listen, 